0: All right, good afternoon everybody thank you so much again for joining me less with be a beacon podcast I am very honored today and very privileged to have a very special guest who has been little does she know very instrumental um, with my continuous mindfulness uh, journey um, you know when i first when i first moved here in the dmv and i you know began you know looking up mindfulness you know groups i found this people of color singha that actually a a former co-worker had introduced me to and i remember going and y'all I, and no shade to white people or non-black people but it was so affirming to be in a space with so many brothers and sisters, you know, practicing mindfulness and who could understand, you know, my journey and they could kind of really, you know, kind of have a better understanding. And when I saw this woman um, there in the group, I mean, it, her words were just so powerful. So I'm just so honored that we have continued, you know, a great friendship, you know, to this day. Um, I'm introducing her. Y'all, a lot of y'all know her as Aisha Ali or Your Majesty. I'm going to introduce her as Your Majesty. She's a writer, poet, lesbian, mindfulness leader, sangha instructor, just, just everything, everything. She is totally everything. One of the best elders I know. And Aisha, thank you so much for joining the Be A Beacon podcast today. How are you doing?
1: I am Wonderful in this moment, moment, and feel so honored and so blessed to be here today with you, Les. You are an inspiration to me, as well.
0: Oh, thank you so much. My my heart is completely fluttering and so warm. It always is after a conversation, you know, with you. And you know, can you let the people know? A lot of us know why you introduce yourself as your Majesty, but can you kind of explain, you know, why you uh, why you give yourself that title?
1: Well as many of the female listeners will know, is when when we're younger, uh, whether we're lesbian or not, you know, you're fresh, you're flush, and in terms of the patriarchy, you got eggs to give. So, you know, there's sweet talk around you. But as you get older, and particularly once you hit menopause and uh, and postmenopausal ages, that all walks back, drops away, and you are once again just a non person. You have no eggs. If you're a black woman, you know, you probably don't have, you're not rich. And so there's a disappearance, a, a second disappearance that goes on. And I claim, prone and i and i sit on my chrome throne to enable myself and all other younger women and women as they age to understand that certainly the nature of our power changes over time but it in no way diminishes and in fact in many cultures it is when you become postmenopausal that you can rightly sit on a throne. So I claim that as a truth. And I also claim that to encourage women as they age, not to be worried, not to feel like they are now less than. But in fact, we're all on this journey to eventually sit on the throne
0: throne. Powerful, and you know that's certainly you know the truth um, definitely just um let us know more like you know let's start from the beginning and I don't mean you don't have to start from the very beginning well I popped out of my mother's womb and yeah, don't, don't do a Dickens I was born. No, no, no David Carpenter you know? okay.
1: <laughs> okay um let's start let's start at the Howard Theatre and I am four or five years old. For those that aren't in the DMV, uh, the Howard Theater was the equivalent of the Apollo in New York. The Howard Theater was like, was that for DC. Uh, All, U Street was this amazing, amazing, vibrant place. It might've probably been considered like little Harlem, like this, all this energy and black business, and excellence, and joy, and foolishness. It was all there. And the Howard Theater was there. And so my grandmother would take me to shows because she was hip like that. And uh, I remember going to see the Starlight Review. And that was, what I came to find out was a, a fantastic drag show. And with 99, feminine-presenting men back then, and kind of you drag queens. And there was one woman who was presented very masculinely. I learned her name later, was Stormy Laveau. And I sat there. And I, the only thing that, I'm a femme lesbian. Uh, and it means more than just I like girly things, but that's a whole other podcast, but I am
0: very femme. And you could definitely touch on the femme, you know, your the, your views with the femme dynamic. Feel free. <laughs> okay, thank you. So I'm sitting there
1: as a little girl, and of course, I'm just entranced by the, the, the I mean, these were like old vaudeville performers. They were real performers, right? Back then, there was mm-hmm. a much recording, so these are the costumes, the beautiful things. And, but what I remember is to my left, to my right, her stage left, was this amazing stormy love And that is when, well, I don't assign sexual desire to children, but what I do say that some of us early present, with clear dynamics, clear leanings, however that is. I I can still hear her voice to this day and know what kind of shark skin suit she was in and and that haircut and her voice. And I saw her twice. Mama took me, I guess this was an annual thing they did. And that is what I can say my little lesbian heart began to flutter with stormy love, <laughs> And from then on, you know, I was very fortunate. My family considered church good entertainment and good upliftment, but nobody was clearly going to hell because they don't serve Johnny Walker red in hell, and who wants to go someplace <laughs> where there's not Johnny Walker red and Shitlins and... and <laughs> ham hogs and but no, nobody wants to do that. So um, religiously it was upliftment but not, you know, condemnation per se. within the within my house. And I grew up with um people that I would now assume were lesbian and gay, but mama had a, a open house, after party house. That's my grandmother and after you went to the party, you came to the house and there was Chitlins and then Chitlins It was it was just this amazing period, uh, growing up, and that's what defined normal for me. Um, so again, continuing to grow, have crush on girls. One excruciating night, a sleepover in a twin bed with, with a classmate. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that, but I think the the other thing was uh, my first little heart thing was with Pinky. And uh, yeah, so uh, I just continued to grow, grow into politics. Um, But of course, like a lot of little black girls, I will say, our development, our loving heart development is interrupted by the things that happen to our bodies. So that informed my life as well so i just continue to go i've always been somewhat adventurous i really didn't glom on to my lesbian identity it was always i think as a result of what happened to me the whole sensual thing got very twisted so, but, but my heart, I mean, one, one of the wonderful things of growing up in my world is that I tell everybody, all women should be lesbians, whether they sleep with women or not. Because <laughs> in terms of my community, the real love connections, who you could depend on was other women. So I just grew up in that, in that understanding that, for many women men were wonderful joyful fun partners but when it came to raising your children and paying your bills and do you need five dollars or ten dollars or whatever it was always other women and of course I grew up in a very matriarchal society Patrick Moynihan was talking about my family he was we were to blame <laughs> for because it was multi-generational. Uh, my grandmother who was the matriarch, uh, the full, my three aunts, my mother, and children. And I will say that we did very well from a child's perspective. There is nothing better than having an adult who, who is free has the free time to be with you. Um, I really see the difference. I, at least one of them people and friends really wanted to be present to me. And when I got older and saw women raising their children by themselves without that sort of organic support, I really see how that, hurts both that struggling single parent and the children because so often she's tired and worn off. But I grew up for a period of time where at least one wonderful woman was happy to hear my I discovered a fish or a plant or something and also talked to me. I was covered by language. Um, that was the amazing part of my childhood. So, yeah, I've always been an outsider. I was in the Black Student Union and all the things, uh, always political. Had that short haircut when everybody else was trying to do the Angela Davis fro. My, my <laughs> hair won't do that even today. It just gets, <laughs> It just gets curly and then falls back down. It doesn't. I have to pick it and do a lot of amazing things. So that's, that's sort of part A, uh, went into the military. That was crazy. Wonderful. It's, I'm five one. Back then I was probably 112 pounds and I went over a nine foot wall a 12. Anyway, that stuff, but that's technique. That, That was the beauty of my time in the military that so much of the stuff that we ascribe to superpowers is just technique i was hollering at people as an acting jack drill sergeant um which was interesting uh didn't do it long did it long enough to know yeah i can holler at people i saw some purges uh which at least where i was wasn't about going after practicing lesbians and gays and much more about we're going after people that we don't like. And so I'm not sure everybody, you know, that got that bad discharge was, was practicing. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, so, Yeah, got out of the military, went to school for a bit. I've always loved learning and always hated school
0: hey that makes sense
1: (laughs) Um, I don't I don't think like that it's it's just so interesting
0: because school is so structured I you know I think I I, I'm a big fan of self-study you know myself nothing wrong with school but self-study you know I think works for so many people better than the structure of school yeah I think
1: that's certainly been the case for me I've got I've got enough credits to, I don't know, fill a, you know, fill a small house, but <laughs> I've, I've taken a lot of courses, but I just, it, it that's, I want to be engaged in conversation and things. I don't want to be sitting at a table and you telling me what you think. And then I, the test is what you told me you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The one time, I'm still beefing about that economics course that I took. (laughs) And and, the professor did the, you know, supply and demand. And I said, okay, because this is messed up, because that's not real. It should be money and demand, you know, or people with money can demand and they form the supply, not what people need. And so I got to be. And I'm still feeling a way about that, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the yeah. That's that's how I was um, and am. Um, yeah. So went to school, hung out, and went to uh, met this giving you the the Cliff Notes. Uh, <laughs> met this uh, amazing Butch woman. Try yeah. I I, I want to talk a little bit maybe about. So after I got out, and there was this vibrant, les black lesbian community in DC that I was a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just remember the the huge gatherings, doing the cha-cha, butch fam. I I say I get. I don't know. We were who we were, as far as I know. I know there's a lot of younger people see the our communities back then as these really rigid places where people were doing rigid things Mm -hmm. in and out of the bedroom that's not been true for me and the couples that I have known well that was agreement as far as that that was dynamic (laughs) that was not you know whatever we're doing is about I'm constricted I'm not saying that's, that that's not the truth for some people, but I'm saying for me and for many in, in my community at that time, we were fine. You know, I mean the regular silliness that goes on in relationships and communities and no matter, you know, what dynamics or identification, but I, I was fine. <laughs> It worked for me, um, I often share about the the sweep of the sort of great change that came through with with lesbian feminism that described what me and mine were doing as mm. mimicking heterosexist yeah models and. How could y'all have this dynamic when this dynamic looks to us like you're mimicking, you know, ma and pa kettle or something? And I was confused because I didn't know two women could be, two women in relationship, both sexual, sensual, and life could be straight. I didn't know that was a thing. But... Such was the level of their political sophistication (laughs) and uh, wordplay that evidently two women together could be heterosexual, or at least Mm -hmm. I'm being facetious, of course, but I think there was a tremendous amount of dismissal of working class. Yeah. Yeah. Lesbians. And of course, black lesbians, whichever class, as long as we're not doing what they're doing, then it don't even matter. You're still ignorant and stupid and you're just doing this because you don't know any better. If you knew better, obviously all of y'all would look like truck drivers in there. So, you know, I'm still, I, I, and I will be transparent. And in fact, I'm, I'm currently working with other fems to, to, and I know masculine uh, presenting lesbians as well are coming together to push back against that our dynamic has within it self-denial or ignorance and self-hatred. I would say the opposite is true. Um, And that the inability to handle butch women and femme women and butch femme women as a couple has a lot to do with a lot of fear and misogyny that has not been dealt with within the lesbian community. So anyway, I went to, I went to San Francisco. And California, I went to California for <laughs> a lover. And uh, it was good until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a chance to go to that club. There's a documentary about it. I forget the name of it right now. But the Black-owned club there. Um, a lot of good times. A lot of good times, a lot of sad times, a lot of, you know, like life, like everybody else on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody else on the planet. Um, I went to San Francisco for many years and was fluttering around there. But something that I was very, first of all, I was not in the black lesbian community that I had been in as much. I wasn't, I wasn't connecting to it, in large part because the culture was so different from my own and the lesbian community had begun to embrace some of the gay male approach to sexuality and sensuality for me. I'm just speaking for myself that I wasn't comfortable with, but generally I think I was getting older and I really didn't see a model. I, I was I was going through my own psychological changes. Also there was there's rampant racism among white lesbians. Yes. Yeah. Rampant. I mean, <laughs> I mean just cause you sleep with girls don't mean you like not like your daddy.
0: You know,
1: mm-hmm. you know. And I'll snap think, to that. <laughs> I think, I think they think they get a get out of jail free card. You know, it just often means that you got two white women being racist together. That that that
0: mm-hmm.
1: is often the case, and they are just as blind and just as ignorant and arrogant as the homes they ran away from. You know, they didn't leave home because of the injustice. and They left home because they wanted to sleep with girls. They were in San Francisco sleeping with girls. They were okay. <laughs> so, there wasn't a whole lot of investigation in, in the world I was in. And just generally, I was just really afloat. Um, yeah, I was just really afloat. And I was looking at you being caught between racism and watching yeah I was just afloat. I I there was there I wasn't grounded. I think again mm-hmm. it's important in terms of understanding my story to be I was grounded in black <laughs> c- 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 yes culture and the black c- 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 world. Regardless of the trauma that occurred, that is the place I loved, understood Mm-hmm. all the things. Um, and I just didn't, I, and and I was with people who, too, because they were mad with their mothers or they had terrible relationships. I still love my people. My people still love me. You know, it wasn't like I, I, I'm, I've I'm i got a break. So I'm thinking I want a, a home. I want family. I want, mm-hmm. that's more important to me than anything. Uh, I don't know if younger people have that yearning, but I think it's a heart yearning. I don't think, I think my calculation around that learning yearning is very different than what is po- available now and younger people see as possible. But at that time for me, I'm looking at people that they were very Ayn Rand. You know, they were very, we're strong, you're strong. They didn't seem to understand, as I understood, being in a multiracial, well, not multiracial, multigenerational uh, world, that you can eat organic beets, you can drink nothing but water, purified through the lakes of the Himalaya. Everybody ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And with age, and not just with age, but just life, we are interdependent. We need each other. This idea that I'm standing on my feet and you standing on your feet is something that's utterly foreign to the world that I grew up in, a world that had the understanding, sometimes I'm going to have beans and sometimes you're going to have beans. We're just going to be together and share and understand Um I'm going to I I'm going to need you you're going to need me. Um my last year in the military I was with my grandmother who is the the pinnacle of everything about unconditional love I know I got from her. I accompanied her to her death. Uh I washed her in a bathtub. I you know uh you know, cleaned out the the, the 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 nasty drawers, which ain't nasty. It's just new human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's and it that's such a gift that I I don't know if people to nowadays understand the gift of of loving someone unto death that loved you when you were born. to be present to them and to see that on the way there, it's not going to be a party. (laughs) You know, it's not going to be like the movies. Dying people can be mean, (laughs) you know, and I was not the best nurse, but all the time, you know, but I was there and I was with her. And that's what I saw as the journey in life. And I didn't see anything around me that took that into account. Everything around me seemed to say, we're gonna be 30 or 40, we're gonna be this forever. So I had a breakdown, which is what many people do when they are caught between, yeah, wow. You know, what's not for me and what's not for me, and trying to find out within that what's not yes. a way forward, right? What's not for yeah. me? What, 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 what not for me am I going to be with? Because nothing is for me, right? So, right. Then, so I came home and I was with my mother, and yeah, I, one of the reasons I was looking for something that I could grab onto with at least part of myself. And your listeners may be shocked or confused, but in studying just so much, and I was really looking for an anchor, I was looking for safety, I found Islam. And in Islam, the text, the study, not not, not what people do, Anybody that's a Christian can know there's uh, there's a uh, um, I, I, what is it? Uh, I don't, what is it? The uh, Grand Canyon. There's a Grand Canyon difference between what Jesus is saying mm-hmm. and what Christians are doing. Often, right? And there's a Grand Canyon between what Prophet Muhammad was teaching and what the Muslims are doing. <laughs> so And in the Quran, unlike the Bible, it speaks directly to men and women. It talks about the feminine in a way that is honored. I I think, in fact, the next time I get a lover, I'm going to introduce her to that understanding of of, of the (laughs) film in the Quran. as As the feminine nature is to be, because so many of us are empathic, because so many of us are giving and all that that nature that 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 essential nature is to be guarded, protected, loved all of that and the the dance of those two things is that that fem principle works with the masculine principle to produce just a lovely pairing and ultimately society. So in other words, I found butch-femme relationships within the Quran. Not everybody's doing that. that. Wow. Uh, But that's what I found. Okay, clearly, uh, um, by the way, unlike Christianity, there was historical points in Islam. It's like, whatever, whatever. It's often at the height of Islam. Again, another discussion but
0: so during so it, you, it wasn't any you felt more clarity with kind of with the butch relationship within islam than confusion so i was wondering with you going into islam how did this work for you as a lesbian well i put i put this is this is the thing about
1: uh I- islam in my experience um i sacrifice I made the sacrifice, that was as as a lesbian. There's a lot of married lesbians. Mm -hmm. True, (laughs) true. Lesbians with children, uh, young and older, young and older. Um, I think what I clearly that the butch part wasn't a consideration, but was important to me is to have a place. A spiritual tradition that honored the femme in me, that mm-hmm. honored my essential, loving desire to give and care for and protect that within the confines of a spiritual practice. Does that make any sense at all? No, it, oh, it does. It does. Okay. It does. I mean, it's a, it's a, Look, it's a stretch. I got it. It's a stretch. But that's. I, again, I was trying to find a way forward between no and no, right? The lesbian world, no, I'm not doing that. And I I don't, and whether, you know, we're putting handkerchiefs on our pockets to say what we like to do in bed, you know, and certainly, you know, the racism among uh, lesbians, Um, white lesbians so you know I'm looking at so I'm gonna be an outcast and be a nigga at the same time no refuge nowhere really and plus again I will aunt my craving of family so I just studied I studied with this radical imam that thought women uh, were full you know could be imams could be preachers I hope they didn't kill him I, I didn't keep up after I left but but anyway that is and while it's, it's the it's, okay I don't know who your listeners are but you know I, I'll I'll find out if I need to get paid security protection uh <laughs> it's the way the Islamic world or community is set up is very sex segregated. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm so happy that there are now uh, gay Muslims, lesbian Muslims coming out, they have their own communities and I'm so glad for them uh, within that. Uh, But that, yeah, you can be with women all the time. and And in a sense, I found a way to replicate, not sexually, but in terms of heart, the community I grew up in, right? We we may have had husbands, but our big relationship was with other women. And the same is the men, <laughs> really, which is why, well, what is it? In Saudi, they say you marry a woman for children and a boy for love, something like that, yeah. It's, it's a very sex-segregated lifestyle. So while I was not active with women uh, sexually, I was certainly totally engaged with them in terms of that was my community. You, you barely talk to men except to say, Asalaamu Alaikum, brother. Mm-hmm. So, and you get, yeah, you get to be with women and children and support that. So I was, that. that's the calculation um, I made. I'm aware of other married lesbians who made different reasons, but sometimes similar calculations. Not around wanting heterosexual privilege as much as the mm-hmm. hunger for organic family, that perhaps those of us like me who made that calculation didn't see how that was a possibility within the lesbian world at
0: that time. Wow, wow. So how was it during, you know, while, while you were married? How, how was that time for you?
1: It became, increasingly and increasingly difficult and painful, but once you bring children into the world,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, again, it's no longer about you. In truth, and of course the situation, between my uh, son's father and I became just simply untenable. It just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, yeah. That's I'll I'll put, I'll put it on that way. It became untenable.
0: Right. We could leave it at that.
1: <laughs> but again, like like a lot of women, you do you're willing to do amazing, crazy stuff for your children, for your child. You know. uh, You know, I was listening to somebody talking about a woman that will, mother that will lift up a car off of her child. You know, all my my, uh, ribs are broken. I don't care. In that moment, I don't Mm feel. And I just feel like historically women have, and I'll speak for lesbians, particularly the ones that are dead, (laughs) that we have uh, made these calculations for children, for our children and I made mine. Um, it was only after it was clear to me that it was, it was dangerous for me and it was not going to help my son
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that I left. I did a Tina Turner with trash bags. And, mm, okay, running and, across <laughs> the highways. <laughs> yeah, well, there wasn't any highway. But, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, but yeah. I, I took my son and put stuff in trash bags and and and, and went for it. Um, but for years before that, I was trying to find again, again, for younger people, I, I, I'm putting myself as maybe a younger listener listening to this. In the same way I think about older people when I was growing up and I would look at them like, well, didn't you know you could have, or didn't you, If, if you cannot imagine something, you can't do it. That's my experience. Right. And trauma on top of trauma presents such a constriction that the ability to think outside of that is very, very difficult. The older I get, the more compassion I have for the older people that I knew when I was growing up. You know, because it seems so simple to me. Well, well, you can, and you can, and you can. And I go, well, can you, really, at that time in that circumstance? I think that's one of the things distinguishing, well, one of the distinguishing characteristics of maturity is to understand complexity. Yeah. Without shame or blame stuff is complex so yeah but for years i was trying to find a path i was a sufi which is the metaphysical um tradition in islam anybody who's seen the sort of whirling uh, folks in turkey uh yeah uh and so i but again that was as I look back, that this needed, my journey needed to be my journey. You know, uh, my journey needed to be my journey. Um, So I began to, I went to my first uh, meditation retreat when I was still married, still uh, rolling with 45 yards of fabric, as I like to say. (laughs) And that's not easy in the winter, summertime. I just need to say, those of you that think Muslim women are soft—you underneath all that cloth in the heat of winter, summer—I
0: look at that like, wow, how are they doing it? You know, and mind over matter, baby. That's all. I, like. <laughs> I was in Atlanta one time visiting a friend, and
1: <laughs> this brother looked at me and said, "Aren't you hot?" <laughs> <laughs> that still tickles her this day yeah I was, but you know uh what you won't do, you'll do in the name of religion so or or trying to hang in there conformity within religion, whatever so but I began that's when I went from looking at some point while I was still there, I went from being on my knees and talking to Allah, looking out mm-hmm. and a friend invited me to a talk by a meditation teacher, Larry Yang. And that's when I began to um, look in. Uh, And that's been moving in that practice. I think one of the things that happened, and, and, and that's why I think some spiritual practice that supports the heart is so important because that's when I began to find that opening that that I didn't have to accommodate I wouldn't have when it started I wouldn't have said that I was just wanting some kind of relief I was in such pain and such misery that I was grasping so much like I grasped the Quran right in the mm-hmm. middle of I know, I I know, you know, I I have a high pain tolerance. At that tolerated, I, I, I will reach out and say, okay, what can I do with this? And I began to see some light within all of this, some possibility, not necessarily of leaving my situation, but being present to what I was present to in a different way. And that's been my journey of mindfulness Buddhism for the last umpteen years. Yeah.
0: Wow, you have really had a journey, and it's just always amazing. And one thing I wanted to, you know, go back to was, you know, when you were discussing your grandmother and being there with her until death. What would you recommend for people that may not have because it's something I've had to learn too, where you may not have those tight relationships with someone, but you know, but you still but but like you, you I'm sure you you both weren't always eye to eye, but you still stuck with her. What's your advice around that? So a lot of people are like, oh well, I don't want nothing to do with her, you know, we're not we're not getting along. We got this conflict, this X, Y, and Z happened. What would you say in general people that kind of get over the drama to stick with the, that person and you know, maybe receive light?
1: One of the things, and this is the hard thing, this is the hard thing, is figure out what your boundaries are. Because for me, my experience, the loss, the lack, a recognition of how much love we have for each other is because of the amount of pain inflicted right um, to use a, an, an Islamic tradition um, the people ask Prophet Muhammad how do you help the oppressed and the oppressor and he says well, you know, well, they say, we, we know how to help the oppressed, free them, you know, but how do you help the oppressor by not letting them oppress? And over the years, I've, as I've grown, nothing destroys love like the lack of boundaries, like the overextension. Okay, so you, I, I have... I'm talking about adult-adult relationship. A child is just caught in the storm of what an adult is doing. So, but if you can have boundaries, not in reaction to other people, but what I need. I'll speak for myself, what I need. I have had a very complicated relationship with my son over the years. And it is only after I developed boundaries that I could hold my love for him and not, we weren't wounding each other. I wasn't allowing him to wound me and he was feeling like how he was feeling about that, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And I say it's the hard part because it requires, what required for me, me, Getting into me, right? Not what can I tolerate, not but what do I need to support a heart of love? Am I, you know, there are some people that can turn shit into manure, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Growing, you know, you can throw that stuff at them and they go, wee, we can grow it. I am not that person. Okay, I'm not that person. There are people who who can do that, who can accept, you know, you did this to me. Okay, well, I still love you. And mean it, I mean, they're not overextended. Mm -hmm. That's the amount of resources they have, the amount of capacity. I don't have that capacity. Uh, My grandmother trained me to be a certain kind of matriarch. And that is that ever giving, not just matriarch, a lot of us are trained, particularly girls, and particularly, I would say, Lesbian girls, whether we're butch or femme, there's a certain strength people see in us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and they Not say, the truth. you're the one, you're going to be the one we can look to. You're going to be the helper in the family. You're gonna, and they'll write these scripts for us. I think one of the reasons I ran off to California with this woman was because I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't want to do that. Um, so, to maintain a heart of love is to set boundaries, not in reaction to people. You you didn't pay me back my $20, so I'm not <laughs> gonna do such a. No, it's like, oh, I love you and we don't do money. We don't do money. We might be able to do groceries,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we're not gonna do money. I mean, that's that's the sort of <clears throat> that's the the sort of piece that talks about the action, but but the central piece. Are what's the boundaries? And once I develop that, I could love people and be present to them in the way that I could be present to them. All right. Um, there are people that need love all over the place. If your family or whatever is so toxic that the only way they will, they will. Be present to the love you have for them is for you to empty your pocket or empty your self-esteem or empty. There are other people out here that are willing to accept healthy and, and love within in a way that supports your heart. And so... You know, my mother and I struggled a lot, even when I call myself, hey, I've got a baby, I've got a husband, are you happy now? Well, only kind of sort of, but <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's the truth, right? Even when you do all the things that people say they want you to do, they're still not happy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they, they you've got your sacrifice up there. And I'm not saying my child or my life, the decisions I made are the decisions I made, but I'm just saying, even after... Ta-da!
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean good,
1: but you know I'm not, uh, I'm I'm not that excited. So, uh, yeah. So so that's the thing. But there are people that that want. I I think the thing it took me a while to understand is, while the people who were mad at me didn't want to be what only wanted my love when it didn't have boundaries. There are people, oompty oompty people who I can love and they can love me in ways that are healthy and affirming and also include money. Cause we pay each other back. Look at that. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so, but, but that's the, that's the hard part because even I was trained that you give and you give and you give and you give without boundaries. Mm-hmm. You, know, you be like Jesus and you, you, and, and you give and even while you're on the cross, you got a word of love and faith. Okay. I'm not going to argue with people's capacity, but that's not my capacity. Right. So that's, when, yeah. So that's, so, so yeah. So that's what I would share. It's not, doesn't start with them. It starts with you. And then, Maybe if you, if they continue to hit those boundaries and you say, I love you and no, or I love you and in the case of money, no, I can give you five, I can't loan you 20. <laughs> Whatever, however that presents itself, uh, that I think is, can be, might be helpful. Wow,
0: that, again, Your Majesty, that is, powerful what you have just said for this last hour has been so powerful and do you have any last words a special special message you want to give the people maybe to tell people and everyone there will be links on you know where you can get involved with the you know her and uh this brother Rashid. um they have this heart refuge right now it is online, you know, due to the quarantine, there will be more information on how you can also tune in. It is a beautiful, it's beautiful to do. They're great people. And, you know, so are there anything else that you would, you know, like to share with us?
1: I I think I want to add, I'm holding space for the IMCW People of Color community tomorrow evening. Vanessa, you'll put the link down, please. Yes, yes. Uh, that's not going to be guided meditation. It's just going to be music. And the mics will be open to cry, to moan, to, to call out an ancestor's name. It's not going to be a dialogue. It's just going to be us being in with the music, letting the music cradle us. Uh, yeah, so that's what that's going to be. What's my last thing? Choose joy, choose love. Make whatever arrangements you've got to make because they don't require compromise or a whole lot of money or any money, but it does require that you connect
0: to your own heart. So that's what I've got. Choose love, choose joy. Great. what message, and just one last thing, I swear I could talk to you all day, <laughs> but what would be with everything that's happening right now in the world? What would you recommend? I, I mean, I love what you've just said. Do you have anything else you would add you know, to this? The people sorting out feelings, people, everyone's just angry right now, sad. You know, how, What would you say is the best way for us to, especially as black people, for us to deal with this? First of all,
1: it's been helpful for me. I'll I'll give you my blog post as well, I've written about it. It's been helpful for me to place myself within my history and my lineage. Remember, we are the people that are the the great, 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 great grands of people in 1702. Couldn't even see freedom, couldn't even, why didn't they kill themselves? We We are the, so place ourselves within our history within the strength and the power we have in our DNA. We are no ways defeated by this particular monster. It's been trying mm-hmm. to kill us at least since the cotton been picked, 1865. We are miracles. Embrace the fact we are miracles. And be with, be with how our hearts are broken because these people don't see us as human beings. Before we let, before the anger, let's take time to embrace our hearts and how heartbreaking it is again again and again and again and again and again in the ways in which we're invisibly attacked every single day. We wake up with 50 pounds, scratch that, 500 pound weight on our chest just to get ready to go to work on a quote unquote normal day. Acknowledge that our hearts are broken. And then let's just breathe in community and let's think about what we're going to do. Because what I've seen over my life is there are flashes of anger and then the forces of evil wait for us to calm down and go back to work and they do what they do. Plus they have some more people to lock up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not calling for that sort of uh, soft love, and you know, we just love our enemies. Because sometimes it's skillful to get in people's face. Mm -hmm. I'm a veteran. I I believe the Second Amendment is applicable to us, like it's applicable to everybody else. But let's do that like everything else, from our hearts and using the clarity of, of centuries we represent the strength and power of centuries. This is a moment of many, 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 many moments of centuries of moments. So I know every, every uh, the news media wants to hype this, you know, and, but, cause they want to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, true. And young people, I'll, the other thing, get to know some older black people that are choosing to still grow and be. I'm not talking about the ones that are just simply older, this aging. I'm talking about the ones who have chosen to grow into their age and get to know us. We're available, okay? Youth has the dynamic, the movement, and age has perspective and also, maybe some strategies that you haven't thought about. So that's what I would offer.
0: Wonderful, Your Majesty, thank you so much for your great words, your wisdom, and you're very inspirational and everyone there will be more links available on the heart refuge on the imcw holding space them well by the time you guys see this it will be uh tonight (laughs) so uh definitely and everyone this is what it means to continue to be a beacon in your life as well as being a beacon for others as well. As always, you can reach out to me at, less at lesslighthouse.com. I'm available on all of the socials. So feel free to drop me a message anytime. And your majesty, thank you again. I would love to have you back anytime. All right, y'all. Y'all take it easy. Continue to be well. You know, get, you know, try to, you know, take some time off of the socials for a while and just relax. All right, y'all. Y'all take it easy. Peace. Oh! <laughs>